everybody, and welcome back to For the Girls. We are coming at you with a Dutch Grand Prix recap and also a Monza preview. So starting with the Dutch recap, what a race. We are coming at you live from Copenhagen all together, which has been such a blast. We were in Dublin for the race, and it is, I will just say, it's super fun to be on a continent with a lot of F1 history and fans. Race replays were playing in the Dublin airport. We saw people watching the race on their phones, wearing F1 merch, all the things. Not a super common sight in the U.S. yet, although we are getting there slowly but surely. And since we are on vacation this week, we are combining the Dutch Grand Prix recap with the Monza preview for next week, just as a little two for one. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter as always, and Discord as well. Please join that. We're having, we're loving the conversation. And with that, I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. So jumping right into our main takeaways from the weekend, I think first for me, just the strength of Red Bull as an organization, because of course, another classic max showing, but I think the race ended up being a lot more chaotic than they were probably banking on with a strong pull from him. And so just their strategy team being able to make these calls on the fly and just making these impeccable calls time and time again, which other teams have shown us is harder to do than sometimes it may (laughs) appear. So definitely that shout out to Hannah for all of her work over there. And it just... Ferrari, I can't even. <laughs> we're so done with this. <laughs> I know we've said everything that there is to be said, but it's just comical and it's really unfortunate for the drivers. And I just feel so badly for everyone. Well, you're very kind. I will say that one of my biggest takeaways is that I'm done feeling bad for Ferrari, which is like a sin in my book. I feel really bad saying this, but my goodness, how many chances do they deserve? Do they get like just a little bit crazy at this point. But I will say, I think what I loved about this weekend was I love a good weekend when the strategy comes into play and there's a lot to take into account, like with yellow, with yellow flags and safety cars and the pit stop strategy and the tire strategy. And again, yeah, you're right, Sarah. I think Red Bull really came to play, but also I'm really glad that Mercedes also had a great showing as well. Fire Bonotto, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> you said it first. We're already. Yeah, I am happy we had a roller coaster of a race, but I will say I'm a bit displeased. Mm -hmm. I am gutted, as they say. I think for the first time this season, Mercedes was actually on pace, and Hamilton not only had a shot at pole before Checo's yellow flag during quali, but also had a shot at a win or at least a podium on Sunday. So I feel a little bit robbed over that and then also robbed that we were denied the opportunity to really see Red Bull and Mercedes battle it out for probably the first time this season. I think the Mercedes one-stop strategy to Red Bull's two, where Max was on fresh tires chasing down Hamilton and Russell, would have been really such great racing to watch. And it could have been fun to compare the strategies, but Unfortunately, we had a a virtual safety car at just the right moment for Max, which caused Mercedes to switch to the two-stop strategy, and we all know what happened with the Mercedes pit stop drama at the end, so we will get to that later. But overall, it was a really tough weekend for me as a Mercedes fan, but interesting things to talk about nonetheless. So my How Are Hot Takes held up 
Mine was podium Max Carlos and a surprise. So someone besides Mercedes, Red Bull, or Ferrari. So that absolutely crashed and burned besides the most predictable one, which isn't even a hot take. So I think (laughs) Ferrari did a nice job stopping that one with a crisp 13-second pit stop. Oh, it was so bad. That was painful to watch. My hot takes are unfortunately on a cold streak. I said an air-free weekend (laughs) for Ferrari, and it was looking good for me, I will say, up up until the race. I have now learned my lesson about giving Ferrari the the Ferrari clown show the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. but that 13-second Carlos pit stop, unsafe release, just basic things, forgetting a wheel, leaving the wheel gun in the pit lane for Checo to run over, like... (laughs) When will it end? Someone it responded. Won't. This is we're so I over know. now. <laughs> Someone responded to our story of Carlos saying Spain, but the S is silent, and I think we are all feeling that. <laughs> very, very true. Um, sadly, my actual my hot takes held up pretty good. I had Max, Russell, and then Checo. So I think I'm gonna have to stop holding out hope for Checo. But I'm really happy that I got obviously Max one and Russell P two. Like I've been waiting for that. I think he did great. So, Tiggy, who was your MVP? Yeah, I think I, I'm going to give it to Russell. I I know I'm, like, really sad for Lewis, and there was some conversation around, like, oh, Russell really screwed Hamilton over. But, like, Russell was f- racing his own race. He put his foot down on that strategy, like, refused to listen <laughs> to to getting, you know, to staying out there on medium tires. So I'm going to give it to, the, to him. I think he really deserved that podium position, and he had a great race. So I, I was happy to see that at least one Mercedes was on the podium. So well done, Russell. Yeah, I will second that. He has just been such chill, heads down, drama-free driver this whole season. It's just class, as they would say. Um, he deserves this, and I hope we see more drives from him like this this season. I have a two-parter. I'm going to say partially Max because I think this sort of performance has become so standard from him that almost like old-school Lewis in a sense, I feel like we kind of forget how hard that is to just – drive flawlessly and get pole every weekend yeah and he was under pressure from Charles for pole it ended up being super close so plus I think driving with such immense hometown pressure when we've all seen all the photos and the atmosphere from the track it just really looks insane he needed his own personal security so I think being able to deliver under that and then I'm also going to say this is cheating. I'm doing three people, but I'm going to say both Ferrari drivers for just the fact that they're able to be so professional and still just show up with a smile on their face and do their best when it's just an absolute debacle weekend after weekend. So shout out to them for still showing up and just doing what they can do and having only a little bit of an oh my God on the radio when they just, (laughs) when it just, oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I no one was really talking a ton about Charles, I feel like, this race because a lot was going on with Mercedes and Red Bull and like all the safety cars, but Charles had an awesome race, came in on podium, like it was it was great for him. So I, I agree with that, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so getting into our LVPs, I am going to give it to the Mercedes strategy at the end, really messing up Hamilton's shot at a potential win or podium 
The Yuki safety car thing was very strange, but that seems a bit more like incompetence than anything else, although it was very frustrating to watch. But I will also give a special shout out, uh, LVP shout out to Checo's race weekend breakfast, (laughs) which if you have not seen our Instagram story, it is saved in one of our highlights. It was just the funniest thing ever. Um, Okay, let's talk about the Checo breakfast thing before we finish our LVPs. So he was having a traditional Dutch breakfast. Um, Shout out to one of our followers, Alice Kassin. She got a picture with him at the hotel breakfast buffet. He did not have enough food on his plate. Not a breakfast of champions. You should go on our Instagram and see it. Um, It was comical, to say the least. We were having a field day with that one. It was one dinner roll and then one piece of what looked like maybe ham and one large and suspicious looking piece of cheese, I think. And cucumber slices. And cucumber slices. Very important. And um, are there not private chefs or something in Red Bull Hospitality? Like, do they just leave the drivers out to fend for themselves at the hotel hotel breakfast buffet? (laughs) I mean, he had the makings of a good sandwich, but I think he could have used some more. (laughs) It was so bad. (laughs) Okay, so my least valuable player is Hamilton. I think all drivers get upset on the radio and freak out at times, and I think that's fine and understandable. It happens. They're driving a car at 200 miles an hour, but usually I think it's at other drivers and more at the situation generally. But I think cursing wildly and repeatedly at your own team is kind of a different story. Yeah, Tiggy, cover your ears. I'm also going to say Hamilton is my LVP. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get that he's upset with his team, um, but as an F1 driver, you know, you do need to put a lot of faith in them for strategy, et cetera. But to really call them out like that and throw the F-bomb is wild, especially for Lewis, who is like the man of the hour sportsmanship-wise, was a little bit tough for me to hear. Obviously, he has since apologized, but not how I wanted to see him acting. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to jump in and defend him here. Like surprise. <laughs> I think well, let's let's just take a step back. I think if Max or anyone else swore or threw a tantrum on the radio, most people would not bat an eye, but because Lewis is just the class act that he is, it is a surprise to everyone and easy to yeah. criticize. So 100%. he apologized to the, se- the to the team. He said the right things after the race. I would say just let the man have a moment to vent and lose his cool on occasion when they royally screwed him over. I mean, I could gather hundreds, probably thousands of driver radios that are, that are at that level or much worse. We just have not seen them from Lewis, really. So I would say just give him his moment. I think it's a little bit of an overblown reaction to be like, oh, my God, he swore at the team. Like, <laughs> OK, we all say the F-bomb sometimes. Like I never say the F-bomb. A- oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I... I concede that he probably should not have said what he said, but I also think like it's blown way out of proportion and it would not be for another driver. Fair. So we are going to hit some news. Contract negotiations are still in full swing. Piastri was finally officially announced as McLaren's new driver for the 2023 lineup. So we can all just finally stop waiting for that announcement that everyone knew was coming, but then weirdly wasn't coming. So Basically, what happened was the contract recognition board came to a unanimous decision that the only contract that they would recognize would be the one between Piastri and McLaren. The worst part is that this contract with McLaren and Piastri was dated to July 4th, which is before Danny made his big announcement on social media that he was staying with McLaren. And even though McLaren claimed that they were transparent this whole time, that's a bad look. And it really just looks like 
they completely went behind Danny's back and signed a different driver while trying to figure out how to fire him without telling him. So Mm-mm. not great. Good to see it finally wrapped up. But Piastri has been getting lectured by other people in the paddock, which is funny. Apparently, Gasly was talking to him about loyalty and Jensen Button warned him against making enemies this early in the game. So, so he's been getting some, some a lot of comments like that. I feel like where is the Aussie loyalty? It's tough that they happen to be from the same country. One thing I will say is that I really hope Piastri performs. I think whether or not he has asked for it, he's been wrapped up in a ton of drama already and his name has just been plastered all over the place. And that's a tough way to start your rookie season. I feel like there's a lot of pressure and I really hope he lives up to the hype because it has been quite a lot of drama over the past like month or two. Yeah, retweet. Let's talk about other contract negotiations and things going on. So there is a potential for a ghastly move to Alpine and then Colton Herta to take his spot at AlphaTauri. This would have to happen as a package deal because Red Bull would only release Gasly if they could get Herta. So remember, we've talked about this. Colton Herta is an IndyCar driver. He's won seven IndyCar races. He did some F1 testing for McLaren, obviously. He has been in the mix for talks of an F1 seat. But he only has 32 super license points, but really needs 40 to race an F1. So they're talking about potential exceptions. Um, the super license system is one reason why it's harder for American drivers to get into F1 because IndyCar doesn't get you that many points compared to like the F1 support series like F2, etc. So Helmet Marco, he he was talking to Autosport on whether Herda could get super license and he said, quote, I think we can prove that he is eligible for it. Let's see. It's not yet done the deal, but we will go for it. We are Red Bull. We are brave and we will hopefully be <laughs> successful. I love that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, make it a big moment. Um, some other teams and many colleagues have spoken out against any potential exceptions being made to this requirement. But if this were to happen, this could be an awesome outcome for both Gasly and Herta. Herta really wants to join F1. F1 will be getting an American driver. And then Gasly would be getting a fresh start at a French team, Alpine, since he obviously doesn't really have a future with Red Bull. He's not going to get promoted from AlphaTauri to Red Bull again. Um, and actually, this has been moving on pretty fast. Alpine has allegedly struck a deal with Red Bull to release Gasly from his contract a year early in exchange for a fee because obviously it's always about the money. But it <laughs> seems like things are in the mix and really hinging on her to getting his super license. Crazy. So where would this leave Danny? I think sadly to say potentially out of the game, his no. major... Other bet was to hop over to Alpine, but given the high potential that Gasly is about to be a free agent, it seems like he might lose that option as well. Paul Duresta commented and said, based on how Danny is performing, it would be a huge risk for Alpine and actually urged them to go with Gasly. So that's not great for Danny. The only other potential would be to replace Mick at Haas or Latifi at Williams. A move to Williams doesn't seem likely, but he could potentially replace Mick at Haas if they drop Mick. But I don't know. It would bring a lot of American money and attention since Danny is so popular. But I don't I don't know how likely that is either. Um, One thing this week, a follower shout out to Eliza Potter found a reel of Danny walking with Checo where we can sort of overhear him saying quote, take a year off and come back in 2024. We love our sleuths. Great work, but sad, sad news. 
Overall, though, Danny has been such a gentleman about the whole thing. He said he called Oscar to tell him that there's no bad blood between them. And he also accepted an apology from Weber, who is the former Red Bull driver and Piastri's manager. Nothing confirmed yet. Maybe there will still be a place for Danny in F1 next year, but it is looking unlikely at this point, which is a very sad, sad thing. So practice, there wasn't really a super dominant team or driver, but it seemed like both Mercedes and Ferrari looked good and Red Bull was struggling a little bit. Big thing from FP1 was that Max had a gearbox problem and didn't get to do most of the session. So started out the weekend on the back foot. Mercedes was 1-2 with Russell setting the fastest lap. So a bit of foreshadowing there. FP2, we had a Ferrari 1-2. And then in FP3, Charles, Russell, and Max were all looking good. So it was definitely looking like we would get some excitement up at the top going into the weekend. And then in Quali, Q1, Max looked really strong. Lewis was in there in P2. And weirdly, Yuki was in P3. So <laughs> Weirdly. <comes> from- <laughs> that is weird. Sorry, Yuki, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for cuts, we had Botas, Magnuson, Ricardo, Vettel, and Latifi. Another bad weekend for Botas and Vettel and just adding insult to injury for Danny. So some tough names to see there. Q2 was red flagged immediately because a spectator threw a flare onto the track. Everyone was supposed to have their flares confiscated, but obviously people still snuck them in. Max called it dangerous and stupid just throw flares. So that's good, but security really needs to do more. It's so dangerous and just ridiculous. But anyway... Gasly, Ocon, Alonso, Joe, and Albon were eliminated. Then in Q3, Checo had a spin, and Lewis was up on Max in that lap going into the final turn. So he was robbed of potential pole. And videos of Max's Red Bull garage section cheering for the Max pole and the other half just sitting there in silence. Definitely awkward. (laughs) And then for the finishing order, we had Max, Charles, Carlos, Hamilton, Checo, and Russell. And Stroll stayed in P10 because he had a technical issue and was stuck in the garage. So big pull for Max at his home race, but he just barely got it from Charles. So let's talk about the race. The atmosphere looked so electric, at least if you're Dutch or a Max fan, um, especially. It was a lot of orange everywhere. I think you would not want to be the odd man out there. So the start of the race, almost everyone started on softs. It was pretty cold, so I think they were trying to get ready for that, except for a few who started on mediums. Notably, both Mercedes drivers did start on mediums for the first lap. So Max got away really well and pulled away from Charles at the start. It practically felt like a done deal from there as long as he was leading for the first lap. He was probably just going to sail off into the sunset, drive flawlessly like we've been seeing. Um, Signs and Lewis also made contact um, on the first lap when Lewis tried to go on the inside at turn one to fight for P3. There was just a little tough, so luckily there was no no notable damage. In lap two, K-Mag hit the wall, also somehow able to keep going after just like cruising through the gravel, hitting a wall, and then pulling off like nothing happened. I feel like it's really hit or miss, but for the first lap, everyone got pretty lucky. So let's talk about some of the drama. First, in the early stages. So by lap three, Max had already pulled out of Charles's DRS range, but a few laps later, Charles was getting close again, and it looked like we might get a little battle, but the Red Bull really was just too fast for the Ferrari. Overall, pit stop started relatively early because a lot of deg on the soft tires, and that led us into the classic Ferrari train wreck with the nice 13-second <laughs> stop for, for Carlos, 
during his birthday weekend. Happy birthday, Carlos. <laughs> Here's a nice 13 second siesta. Then <laughs> Max pitted on lap 18, and that gave Mercedes track position with a 1 2 Lewis and Russell behind him. So that was sort of the early stages. Then we get into the late stage drama. As we mentioned, we had that kind of strange Sonoda situation, which we talked a bit about, that caused a virtual safety car. And after the pit stops, the order was Max, Lewis, George, Charles, and then Checo. Then by lap 56, we got the full safety car because Botas had an engine failure. Max pitted immediately and Hamilton stayed out and got track position. But then instead of keeping the one, two to have Russell as a buffer between Max and Lewis, Mercedes pitted George and put him on softs. So at the restart, then it was Lewis, Max, and then George. And Lewis was obviously a sitting duck with old tires, Max and George both having softs. So George passed Lewis, Charles also passed him and that is when the radio meltdown happened. But yeah, that was that was a tough sequence of things to watch and just, just really. <laughs> Usually we don't see Mercedes copying the Ferrari strategy fumbles, but we saw a little bit of that here. We will get into it by team now. So Red Bull, as we said, just dominance from Max, another really clean, perfect weekend in front of a huge home crowd and under a lot of pressure with pull the race win and the fastest lap. He's now 109 points ahead in the standings, and his dominance this season is really sort of Lewis-esque during a lot of the peak Mercedes year. He's just really cruising off into the distance. In contrast, a bit of a disappointing weekend for Checo. He had his crash in quali. He got passed by both Mercedes on track at one point, and when, as Max showed, the Red Bull had a ton of pace. He also struggled with tire deck during the race. And at the end, he tried to pass signs for P5, but wasn't able to pull it off. And he ended up getting P5 from Science's penalty, but really just not great on the whole. So maybe we'll blame the breakfast. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking a bit offline about our thoughts here with Checo. And I think the prevailing theory is that Max likes a, a specific type of car with a decent amount of oversteer, a twitchy nose, which is notoriously hard to drive. So we, what people are saying is that as Red Bull has sort of tweaked the car to better suit Max, Checo has underperformed more and more. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get a handle on the car and Checo can continue to do well like he did at the beginning of this season. But it hasn't been looking as good lately, which is which is really tough. Yes, devastating for me. Devil's advocate, they're just trying to make the car faster, but I'll just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving this, like, Sarah Tiggy back and forth on potential conspiracy theories on the Red Bull side. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so Mercedes, for a while after Max did his first pit stop, they were in 1-2, which was their best track position so far this weekend, gave them a lot of hope. Lewis did a good job at the start, making his mediums last very well. Um, After everyone pitted, they did fall back down a little bit into the order. They were P4 and P5, but they got their hopes up once again because both Lewis and George were able to pass Checo. Again, very sad for me. So they were definitely feeling like they could maybe pull it off. We've been seeing some good things from them in practice. But then unfortunately, the safety car disaster hit. So Botas' engine failure caused a full safety car. Max pitted. They kept Lewis out and he was P1, but then they pitted George 
did not pit Lewis. I think they could have either pitted both Mercedes to give Lewis softs and a fighting chance against Max, or they could have just left them both out to get the one-two track position. But I think doing one and not the other was their big downfall here. If they had let if they had left George out in P2, he could have defended hard at the restart, would have been a buffer to help Lewis pull away from Max, but instead at the restart, Max, Max passed Lewis, and then to add insult to injury, George then passed Lewis. So this is when Lewis really lost it. This is going to be our radio of the week. We'll hit it now. Of course, it had to be, quote, I can't believe you guys beeped me like that, combined with lots more of that genre. I can't believe you guys beeping screwed me. I can't tell you how pissed I am. It was definitely a meltdown of epic proportions that we did not love to see, as we've discussed. Then... To make it even worse, Charles then also passed poor Lewis, so he didn't even get his podium. Of course, we said this. He apologized to the team. And Toto had a very interesting quote about this. He said, quote, you get emotional when you're a driver in the car. It just comes out of you. You can't even stop it. And then he said that the team is the, quote, trash bin, the vomit bag in the airplane. And we're taking all that because we need to. Something got lost in translation here. Like maybe he meant to say the punching bag. But I think it was funny. Um, he's defending the decision and just basically saying that every single day of his life he would rather risk everything for winning the race rather than cementing in second or third I think total quotes have been a little bit odd lately but I think we're getting the gist of it all (laughs) and I think on the bright side for Mercedes George had his first P2 of the season we're super pumped about that and the car definitely was showing incredible pace George almost got fast to slap two hundredths off of Max and Despite his, you know, drama situation, Lewis seemed to be pretty happy with the car. So let's hope this continues for the rest of the season for them. Shall we get into Ferrari? So poor Carlos. He did not have great race pace. That slow stop, just to recap quickly again. So lap 15, Carlos went into pit and it was a 13 second stop. It wasn't a problem with the wheel gun or a stuck wheel or something. They really just did not have the left rear tire ready. Someone forgot it. So then Mm. they left a wheel gun lying on the ground and Checo accidentally ran over it. So went from P3 looking set for a strong podium finish to coming out in P11 and the radio was just, oh my God. Autosport called it the f- latest error from the Ferrari catalog of cockups, which someone's definitely British over there. <laughs> the photo that summarizes it is there's a photo of these two Ferrari mechanics just crouched on the ground trying to fix their broken wheel gun. Oh. And I was just thinking, you have other wheel guns. I feel like there's other yeah. problems that could be being dealt with right now. <laughs> it's so bad. But then we had the unsafe release. So at the end of the race, Carlos was set to finish in P5, but then got a five-second penalty for unsafe release. So he actually finished P8. Alonso almost (sighs) crashed into him. And it was sad, but also funny. Carlos on the radio said how he saw the replay on the screens and it wasn't an unsafe release. But (laughs) the fact that the drivers actually look at those giant screens is pretty funny. Um, it was a really tight pit lane. He had to break to avoid the McLaren mechanics in front of him. Just not, not great. So bad birthday weekend for Carlos. For Charles, he had a decent weekend, as we said, but it really is all relative to Max. And in that sense, the Red Bull is just faster, unfortunately. Charles came very close in quality, but said that the gap on race pace is really big. 
He had caught up to Checo in the driver's championship and is now tied for P2 with Checo, both with 201 points. So 109 points behind Max, but still P2 nevertheless. And it's interesting that he hasn't publicly said that he'll push for race wins, but um, won't be able to overcome the points deficit for the title. It's pretty obvious, but Ferrari apparently just tells him to say it looks difficult. <laughs> so being diplomatic there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. For our PR team really running on all cylinders, <laughs> giving out the facts. So McLaren, they had a solid weekend from Lando. He was P7 after Sainz's penalty. Tragic weekend for Danny out in Q1, finished P17. I, I That's all I'm going to say. Um, I'll hit Alpine really quick too. They had a nice double points finish for the team. Definitely starting to look really great and cruising to beat McLaren for P4 in the constructors at this point. After Sainz's penalty, Alonso got P6. Ocon entered P9. And I think especially considering that neither car had made it to Q3, this was a good team effort. They did it really well. And Ocon definitely had an awesome start. So leaving McLaren in the dust, I guess. For Haas, it was a bad weekend for K-Mac. He was out in Q1 and then hit the wall in the second lap of the race. So nothing to write home about there. It was also really sad for Mick. He got to Q3, and we were so excited about that. He's under a ton of pressure while he tries to get a race seat for next year. I personally really hope he gets one. So he looked like he was in a good position to fight for points. But then he also had a 10-second pit stop. So just so (laughs) sad. And just the last thing he needs right now. Same at Alfa Romeo. Things were not going well. Botas had an engine failure. He got knocked out in Q1. Then he had to retire from the race. He said it was the most difficult weekend of the season. And then Joe also got a five-second penalty for speeding in pit lane. It was their sixth weekend in a row with no points. So not great all around. Alpha Tower, we talked about the super weird Sonoda situation. Again, quick recap. He thought it was a tire problem. Stopped. Team told him to restart, went into pit lane. It looked like they were fixing his seatbelt. Then he went back out again. Then turns out it was a data mechanical problem, so he actually stopped. Then he got reprimanded after the race because he drove seatbelt undone. So, yeah, not not great. And then Williams, Ladifi got P18 and called it a weekend to forget. So What's every other weekend for Latifi then if this one was a weekend to forget? <laughs> Albon finished in P12 so not amazing but also not too bad so hopefully he can get on the points this weekend I would definitely be into that for this weekend for Aston tough weekend for Vettel out in Q1 once again we hate seeing this it's so sad every time then he got a five second penalty for ignoring blue flags he did have some nice little action with Mick though which was fun to watch but Stroll was in the points. He got P10 and he made Q3. So I don't know, justice for Lance. We always sort of forget about him. I feel like we never mention him, except my brother loves to start the pod by saying Lance is his favorite driver. So <laughs> I guess this was a little bit of vindication for him. <laughs> okay. So final thoughts here. Overall, we think the race was super entertaining. You know, a race is great when there is a ton to talk about. We had a lot of action, a lot of debates. Pit stops, pit stop strategy can really make or break a race, as we saw with signs, with Hamilton, all these different things going on here. So final final results, we had 
Max, of course, winning his home race. Then we had George and Charles on podium. Then bringing up the final top 10, we had Hamilton, Checo, Alonso, Lando, Sainz, Ocon, and Lance Stroll. And like we mentioned, our radio of the week, Hamilton being really upset with the team after they chose to put Pitt Russell and not him during the yellow flag safety car at the end of the race. And just a quick recap on standings now after the Dutch Grand Prix. So in the Drivers' Championship, Charles and Checo are officially tied. We have Max with 310 points, Charles with 201, Checo with 201, George with 188, Carlos with 175, and Hamilton with 158. So still pretty close there, but besides Max, obviously, who has run away with it. And then constructors, we have Red Bull with 511, Ferrari with 376, Mercedes 346. Oh my gosh, that's a huge gap. Wow. Huge gap. Yeah, but Mercedes and Ferrari are not too far apart. Then we have Alpine and McLaren, Alpine at 125 and McLaren at 101. So Alpine is starting to slowly pull away from McLaren, which is wild. So we're going to give you guys a little two-for-one special. We're going to finish this recap with a preview. So let's just talk about Monza before the race this weekend. This is the fastest and most historic track on the F1 calendar. Since the modern era of F1 in 1950, Monza has hosted more races than any other circuit. The Italian and British GPs are the only races to actually have appeared in every F1 season, and it's often referred to to as the Temple of Speed. Drivers can reach up to 350 kilometers per hour on these straights. Because of this, it's also one of the quickest races, and it only takes about like an hour and 15 minutes. It has had some two surprise winners in the past two seasons. We had Pierre Gasly at AlphaTauri in 2020, and the infamous... Danny Ricardo 2021 win with the McLaren 1-2. Obviously, the Monza tattoo, Danny matching with Zach Brown. Probably regretting that now, but very cute when it <laughs> happened. <laughs> it's it's pretty rare for drivers to win back to back at Monza, back to back at Monza. So sorry, Danny, the odds will not be in your favor. Lewis is the only other driver since Damon Hill in the 90s to have done it. So Yeah, we're going to see some fresh blood this weekend, I guess. And the track and the history, it was built in 1922 and only in 110 days, financed by the Milan Automobile Club. It was only the third purpose-built motor racing circuit in the world at the time it was built, so pretty unique. Besides some chicanes being added, the track really hasn't seen that many changes, But due to the high speeds, the track has seen a lot of fatalities, especially in the early years, 52 drivers and 35 spectators, which is so horrible. So there have been some slight modifications over the years to improve safety, but it's still criticized as unsafe for the lack of runoff areas. The last Italian to win their home Grand Prix was in 1966, so it's been quite a while. And a fun fact is that Vettel won his first ever race here in 2008 and Gasly also had his maiden one here in 2020. Super exciting. Maybe, maybe it's mixed time to shine. So the circuit 5.8 kilometers, 53 laps, two DRS zones, 
The lap record is Rubens Barrichello from 2004, which this is the first track we've seen this season with a lap record set so long ago. And a little fun fact about this circuit is that the Luigi circuit in Mario Kart Wii is loosely based off of Monza, which is pretty funny. Yes. So getting into the last race, a McLaren 1-2, who would have thought at the end of the race last year, tattoos and all, that we'd be in the middle of this McLaren dumpster fire of drama right now, but here we are. (laughs) This was the race with the dramatic Lewis and Max crash. So Hamilton came out of the pits halfway through the race, right alongside Max. They went side by side and then made contact, and Max flew through the air to land on top of Hamilton's car. They luckily both weren't injured, but they did both DNF during a contentious point in the title fight, and it was Hamilton's first retirement in 63 races when this happened. So big news. Max was super furious. He did not even talk to Lewis before going back to the garage, but the stewards ruled that Max was predominantly at fault and gave him a three-place grid penalty for the next race and two penalty points on his super license. And former three-time world champion Sir Jackie Stewart said that Max was taking longer than expected to mature, which is pretty funny. Um, It was also an amazing race from Botas, (laughs) who started P19 and finished P4, but snuck onto the podium after Checo's five-second penalty for passing Charles off track, knocked him down. And I know that Max and Lewis had a big crash, but Danny's win was pretty impressive and not just handed to him because of that. I think he had actually already passed Max after starting P2 before the crash happened. Lando at one point asked on the radio for them to swap positions since he thought Danny wasn't going fast enough, but Danny did go very quick. He also got fastest lap and he was just so thrilled and overwhelmed with emotion after this race. So very fun to watch for him. Top five that race, it was Danny, Lando, Botas, Leclerc, then Checo. And Danny, in terms of his performance this race, it really did look like vintage Red Bull Danny. It had also been a sprint race that he had done really well, and he passed Max off the line. So, yeah, he he got that win on merit and not just because of the crash. What kind of racing are we going to expect? Expect it to be very fast. We have some long straights and super high speeds. There's a high speed turn called Curva Grande. Comes right after the flat out strike of Retifilo Tribune. There should be some fun action there. Also, random fun fact, but Jacques Villeneuve will be testing last year's Alpine after the race on Sunday. So that'll be fun. And for context, he was champion in 1997. Hasn't raced since 2006. So this will be a really different car experience for him. It's part of a 25-year celebration of his championship title. So hot takes for the weekend. I will start. I'm going to say both Ferraris on podium and an Alpine in P3. Don't know how that's going to happen, but that's what I'm manifesting. (laughs) So that means a Ferrari one too. That's bold. Wow, yeah, that's a spicy take. I don't even know what I can say to come back from that. But I think I'm going to say Charles on podium and Mercedes not on podium. I think it's going to be one of those mood swing things with the car where since the car looked so good this weekend, it by some force of nature beyond everyone's control (laughs) has to look bad next weekend. (laughs) So I'm going to go with Mercedes not doing well, Max winning, Charles on podium. All right. 
I am going to say, I'm going to throw in a McLaren hot take here. I'm going to say both McLarens in the top 10 and at least one of them in the top five. So I, I'm i going to say Danny in the top five. Why not? Just throw it out there. I'm going to manifest that for him. He deserves it. <laughs> and with that, we will see you on the other side of Monza for a recap and just a quick note, we are absolutely loving all of this Discord activity, really our favorite thing to read and keep up with what you guys are thinking. So keep it up. We'll be popping in and out. We're super excited for the race this weekend and catch you on the other side. 